Um, going to take a little break from the book of Matthew, but yet it's re- relating to the book of Matthew. Um, we've been seeing on many occasions and discussing as we've been expositing through the book of Matthew in chapter 5 and chapter 6, this idea of being rewarded by God, of being rewarded by God for doing things rightly. Are you kind of picking up on that theme at all? Like when we were in Matthew five twelve, it said, Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Now, contextually, I don't have time to hit every one of these perfectly, but it's this idea that there is a reward in heaven. We can rejoice and be glad in it. In the Matthew 6, 4, when you're giving alms, give in secret. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will, what? Will reward you. In Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then when we get to the fasting passage here in a couple of weeks in Matthew 6, 18, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So as we've been walking through the, this uh, in chapter 6 in Jesus' teaching, these spiritual disciplines, these things that we seek to grow in, in our giving, in our praying, and in, in our fasting, when we do these things rightly, there is a reward in heaven, and the text says that that reward in heaven is actually really great. And our Heavenly Father, when we do these things rightly, He will reward you, He will reward you, and so on and so forth. And in a general sense, I've discussed how this reward that's being talked about here is our progressive conformity into the image of Christ's character, Christ's likeness in us. That this reward at a minimum is the idea of our growing relationally with God, our Heavenly Father. And I I like that idea for a lot of reasons. And in R.T. France, in his commentary in the um, NICNT, he said, this regarding the Matthew 5, 12, when it says rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. R.T. France said this, and I really like this idea here. He said, um, what form the great reward will take place is not spelled out here beyond the fact that it is in heaven. And that phrase is probably best understood not of a location so much as of a relationship with God. So in understanding that God is in heaven and it's a relationship with God that we are experiencing right now and will experience in its fullness when we are one day awarded our great inheritance as adopted children of God, we are to see this great reward as a reference to our relational connectedness to God in some form or some capacity without question. But not only that, I think it's also to be a motivational driver within our souls, this idea of reward. It's to be a motivation that we have within our souls that not only knows that there is a continued and growing connectedness relationally with God, but a longing and desirous sense of having its consummation, of actually being with God, of seeing Him someday face to face. The, the consummation of that reward, the, the ultimate fulfillment of that reward, which is in heaven and it is indeed great, of being with him for all eternity. After all, as Christians, we have had our eyes opened to the fact that all of God's ways 
are not only good and right, but they are perfect. He is perfect in all of his ways. David in Psalm 16, 11 seems to capture a lot of these aspects when he says, you will make known to me, referring to God, making known to us, his children. David said, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And so to some degree, if the reward that's in heaven that is great has something to do with knowing the path of life that the Lord lays out before us, which is a path in pursuit of seeking Him all the days of our life, of being conformed into His righteousness, and then the inheritance that comes, we recognize that there is a fullness of joy and pleasures forever in God our Father, and why not seek Him now? You see, knowing this is true should create a longing in the heart of God's yet earthbound children for said consummation of the fulfillment of that joy and of those pleasures that will be ours forevermore. Because it's to that end that we can rejoice and be glad. Amen, church? I mean, how could we do otherwise? When we have a recognition that with God our Father and in His presence is fullness of joy. Is there anybody here today not desiring joy in your life? Where do we find said joy? In His presence there is fullness of joy. A fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. Walking in obedience to God. The essence of worship, which is obedience to God in the details of life, the very essence of worship is to be that which makes our hearts redound with joy in His presence. And it's not partial, it's fullness. We recognize that in Him there are pleasures forever and ever and ever. Isn't that good? And this is why Jesus teaches us that to do the right things with right motives. Doing right things for the right motives, this is why we obey God with a glad submission. Jesus told us that our reward in heaven is indeed great. We've also seen in Jesus' teaching that there are people who will receive an earthly reward when doing right things, such as giving alms and praying, which, as you know, those are good things to do. However, when done with selfish, sinful motives, uh, we see that those rewards are significantly less than heavenly rewards. We see this again in Matthew 5 and 6. In Matthew 5, 46, if you love those who love you, What reward do you have? The idea is what reward in heaven do you have for doing that? You get a a man's reward. If you love those who love you, you reciprocate love, and therein is your reward, if that's the purpose for which you're doing it. Matthew 6, 1, otherwise otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 6, 2, when you give, here's the idea of, of alms, and you're sounding the trumpet to be honored by men, I say to you, they have their reward in full, which is to be honored by men. So when you do right things with bad motives, you still get a reward, right? 
the, they have their reward in full. They, you still get a reward. It's just a, it's a recognition of men reward. It's the, it's the applause of man kind of reward. Matthew 6, 5, when you pray, do so not to be seen by men. They have their reward in full. So again, there's a reward. It's just an earthly reward. It's the applause of men. Matthew 6, 16, when we get to fasting, do not do your fasting to be noticed by men. When we do it that way, you have your reward Again, in full. So either way, earthly reward, which we see in these passages and know from this context that that would be the applause of man, the recognition of men for being the spiritual giants that we want them to think that we indeed are when doing right things yet with bad motives. Or we've also seen from the passages earlier that there is a reward that is in heaven when we do right things with God honoring motives. And I think it's worth noting here a recognition of how closely these, though desperate, disparate ideas are, how closely they actually are related. This idea of the earthly reward and the applause of men or the heavenly reward, and in essence, then the applause of heaven. Now, I'm going to try something that I've yet heretofore never done in a service. I'm going to try to bring up on the screen um, a live connection to um, a different application. And this is going to be my Logos application. I'm wanting to pull in for us a definition here that has that this word reward comes to us from, is this working? This is actually working. How about that? Didn't know if it would. I thought about trying it in advance, and I thought, well, if it, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. We've got this Greek word here, misthos, and this is the word that's translated reward in all of these passages that we've been looking at in Matthew 5 and in Matthew chapter 6, okay? And um, this, by the way, is out of the Greek-English lexicon, we refer to it as BDAG. Uh, is everybody familiar with a BDAG? Well, you're probably familiar with a BHAG, right? Uh, no? So these are um, acronyms, right? And so a BHAG would be a big, hairy, audacious goal. And so sometimes corporations gather their people and they say, we need to come up with a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal that we can reach and accomplish great things together. As a matter of fact, in one of the churches that I served in in Pittsburgh, the pastor gathered up all the staff, and we needed to come up with BHAGs. I'd never heard of a BHAG before in my life, but I'd heard of BDAG. So BDAG is just simply the, 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 the it's an acronym, it's the names of the men who put together this Greek-English lexicon. So B-D-A-G, Bauer, uh, Dank, Art, and Gingrich. So it's just the, the first word off the last name. So if you hear Pastor Matter, I refer to BDAG. That's, that's what we're referring to. Aren't you glad you know these things? Royce is like, no, absolutely. But thank you for this, the, the affirmative applause right behind him there. Thank you so much. I really, I really needed that at this moment because I'm feeling a little on tenuous ground up here. It's the first time I've done this. Can y'all see this okay? Is this too small? So here's the word for reward right here, okay? And what I want to show you, this is what I want to show you, okay? Notice, notice this. Let me see if this, let me see how well this works. And I want you to, I want you to notice how close the connection is with this reward, reward between the applause of men or the applause from heaven. 
that in essence, we're talking about the same thing. It's just one is an applause for men. boy, yeah, look at you pray. Or the redounding applause from heaven. Notice this. Mistas. Okay, so we've got the first uh, definition that we have lexically here is a remuneration for work done. And so we see that in a passage like Luke. Did that work? It did work. Like in Luke 10, 7, it says, Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Right there, misthos, right? So it's just remuneration for work done. That's one way that this can be rendered uh, contextually, that word misthos for reward. And then number two here, and notice what this says. Notice what this says. This is where I'm wanting you to really pay attention. Okay, I just lost two people on the definition from lexicons. Um, recognition, but notice, there goes three. I may, not, I may not try this again. Bruce, I do need you to come back, man. I'm feeling bad now. Number two here. Can y'all see number two? Is that too tight? Recognition, but notice, mostly by God. But what does that imply? It's not always by God. It mostly by God for the moral quality of an action, a recompense. Okay? I need you to follow with me here. And so that gets broken down into three different categories, this idea of this recognition. And this recognition for the moral quality is what I'm calling like recognition. I'm re- the applause of man. Th- that was great, David. I'm recognizing what you've done. Boy, you, or I won't use David, he's, he's scowled at me. Matt, I'm, I recognize that what, you, oh, there's another scowl. But do you get my point? Okay, so when we get down into, like, in affirmation of laudable conduct, reward, here's our reward and right here in A. You see right here we have our Matthew 5.46 passage. Let me see if I can try that again. For if you love those who love you, what reward... Mistas, do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And then we also have it there again in Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your heavenly Father who's in heaven. So this idea of reward, of affirmation, of laudable conduct, recognition, which is mostly by God, we recognize can also be given on behalf of humans, on behalf of men. Here we have our Matthew 5, 12 in this same vein right here of affirmation of laudable conduct. Rejoice and be glad for your reward, your reward, your recognition mostly by God and affirmation of laudable conduct. Your reward in heaven is great. Don't you think it might be worth living for the applause of heaven? rather than the applause of man. And is is it okay to desire when we set out to live life, worship, obedience to God in the details of life, when we're seeking to live life, is it not okay for us to desire the reward of heaven in the process? To, To want the applause of heaven as a motivation for why we choose to walk in glad submission to God the Father? And shouldn't that be a motivator? Shouldn't that be something that motivates us? 
I have two choices laid out before me, the temptation to sin or, or obedience to God. And in walking in this way and walking in the Spirit and mortifying the flesh and walking in the Spirit, getting applause from heaven, just knowing that there's perhaps a reward in heaven that's great and that there's an applause from heaven in that perspective, my growing relationship with God. Like God the Father is saying, attaboy, keep, keep, keep striving. Keep living for me. Keep living for my purposes. Keep living for my glory. Isn't that a, a grand thought that on a daily basis could be motivation for why we do the very things that we do? I think I've heard enough affirmations from you to know that you're tracking with where I'm also tracking on, on this concept. Amen? And so, I kind of like this. This is getting me, keeping me um, distracted here. Okay, so I'm going to pull back out of that. I'm going to come back to it here in just a minute because I'm going to show you another word for reward that's a little bit off the beaten path from the reward that, that um, misthos is. It's a different Greek word. I'll show you that. Paul's going to make mention of that when we get to Colossians chapter 3. Okay? But, um, oh, there's my Colossians chapter 3 that we're heading to. But I want you to see, the, just again, the, the closeness of idea there. Same word, misthos, reward. Doing right things for wrong motives gets you a reward. The recognition and the applause of man. Doing right things for right motives. And what would the right motive be? The right motive would be that I want the reward from heaven. I want heaven's reward. I want the applause of heaven because in doing that, my life is going to be most glorifying to God and the meta-narrative over my life is the glory of God through my life. So, there's quite a similarity between these two, and I think that these two options oftentimes on, in a daily way are laid before us in many ways and in many contexts, and we are on a daily basis making decisions here and there and here and there on applause from man or applause from heaven. And Jesus, what's Jesus encouraging us to do? Seek the reward that's in heaven. Live for heaven's reward. And Paul, in this Colossians passage, makes mention of this reward again, but this time in connection with a heavenly inheritance as sons and daughters of God. Notice how Paul does this. He says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. What was, what was Matthew telling us? Do you think perhaps the Apostle Paul knew something of that which Jesus had been teaching with regard to reward and why you do this not to be recognized by me? It's for the Lord rather than men. Same thing Jesus is teaching in Matthew, that Matthew taught, that Jesus taught, that Matthew wrote in his gospel. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. And here the Apostle Paul seems to expand on this idea of of reward, and he includes this phrase of the inheritance. You will receive from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. And this is why you what? This is why you do what you do. I can, I can almost hear it now. The little red flag legalism, works based salvation, 
You're trying to work in order to please God. So whatever you do, this has nothing to do with salvation, by the way, right? It has everything to do with the fruit of salvation, nothing to do with its root. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, whatever you do, do your work, whatever it is. Insert whatever you want to put in here, whatever it is, whatever you do, do that heartily for the Lord, knowing, and here's why, you know something. You do all of this in light of knowing something, and that what you know is that from the Lord you will receive reward. And here he says again, it's this idea of an inheritance. So in this context, the reward being spoken of is uh, in reference again to this inheritance of the saints of God and his children of God. We know that we, through Jesus Christ, will be inheritors of Christ's coming kingdom and of all the blessings that ultimately will be fully, fully recognized whenever that time comes, as mentioned earlier. So again, in this context, the reward of the inheritance would be a future reward that awaits the children of God who now, this side of heaven, earthly-bound kids of, of God, are working out our salvation. We're not working for it. We're working it out in every given situation that comes our way. You want the applause of man, or are you looking for the applause of heaven? You want reward from man, or do you want reward from heaven? We want the reward from heaven. Okay, so then whatever you do, do it all for the Lord. Make every decision that you make to be, to be pleasing to God rather than men. Everything. It may cost me my job. It, then let it cost you your job. It may cost me friendships. Then let it cost you friendships. Well, I'm trying to be a good friend who has a testimony with this person. Okay, do that. But if you have to bend to where you break in order to keep that relationship, then let it break. Whatever it may be, and we do this in light of knowing that we will from the Lord receive this coming inheritance, this reward that is in heaven that indeed is great. And it would seem reasonable that this inheritance that is still yet future is first fully and finally consummated or apprehended when the church is raptured and we are forever with the Lord. Secondly, perhaps it's when Christ's millennial kingdom is established and we rule and reign with him. And perhaps thirdly, when the millennial rule of Jesus gets ushered into a, an eternal state and we then forever and forever are with him. And as the book of Revelation says, not, not that book, but that, that's Revelation, but chapter 2, verse 7, it says that we will then be eating from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. It tells the, the saints there in, in these churches, the Spirit writes to the churches that you need to persevere, persevere all the way to the end. And when you do, church, you will be eating from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And it's at that time when there will be no more weeping, no more pain or tears. Instead, we'll be singing a new song and praise to our great God who lives forever and ever. Church, this is why we must always seek to live for heaven's reward, for the applause of heaven. Not an earthly one, not the applause of man. It's so fleeting. It's so passing away. And when we look at John Revelation twenty-two twelve, 12, which I do have here, 
John seems to be letting us know when God's children will enter into this inheritance blessing. He says, behold, Jesus says, behold, I am coming quickly and my what? My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Isn't that good? To render to every man according to what he has done. So here's our Greek word, misthos. And you come right down here. See where it says, see reward for punishment as the case may be. Revelation twenty-two twelve. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Now, we haven't got had time to really talk about those whose reward or punishment, there's going to be some, it's going to be a form of punishment, uh, as it says, as the case may be. Uh, well, we know that the way that leads to destruction is broad, narrow is the way that leads to life. But nonetheless, Jesus, and here we're back to our Matthew Misthos word, the reward of heaven, the applause of heaven, this inheritance that's going to be given us one day when we finally reach the consummation and we apprehend that fully is coming with Christ and it will be ours. So it seems clear that the reward of heaven, the reward that's in heaven that's great would be both the applause of heaven, this continued relational advancement in our love for God, our desire for God, our want to be with God, our desire for his rewards, etc., the glory of his name through everything that we do, and someday soon our heavenly inheritance when Jesus comes again for his church. Jesus did say that the reward in heaven was what? Great. Live, church, for the reward of heaven, not for the reward of man. Amen? We're going to see in Hebrews, I've got another passage for us. How much time do I've got? I've got plenty of time. We're going to see and notice this one, Hebrews eleven six. We see here that actually our duty is to seek after such reward, to seek after such delight. In Hebrews eleven six, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please him, that'd be God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. This verse teaches us that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. As a matter of fact, this verse tells us that in coming to God, we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It shouldn't be something that we're questioning. It shouldn't be something that we're doubting. When, for he who comes to God must believe Two things it says that, number one, he, that he is, that he is the eternal and true and living God. And number two, that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. These are things that when we come to God, we must be believing these things. We must be believing that God wants to reward us, and thus it's okay to be a seeker of and desiring said reward and using the reward as a motivation for why we do what we do. Whatever you do, do it all as unto the Lord. The motivation for why we do what we do is knowing that God, that we must come to Him and we must be a seeker of His rewards if indeed we want to be those who seek Him at all. Isn't that good? 
And if this is true, and by the way, <clears throat> I, I do believe that it is true that the Bible, as the song says, the Bible tells me so. I think that it is true. So I would say it this way. So since this is true, why are we as God's children so reticent to seek to please God through a life of obedience for the express purpose or goal of acquiring said reward? of desiring his reward as the payoff for obedience, of longing for his reward as the prize that it truly, truly must be? Why are we reticent to, to think such thoughts, to speak such ways, and then to live with such, in such a behaggish way, such a big, hairy, audacious goal to get all of God's reward, to gobble, up as much, to gobble up as much of God's reward as I possibly can this side of heaven, to, to have as much of heaven's applause in my life as I can. I'm not concerned about telling Pastor Matt about it. I just want, I want the heavenly realm to know. I want God to know that I'm all for him, and I, I desire the pleasures that are at his right hand forevermore. I want those. I'm seeking those. I desire those, and thus I make decisions in the way I live in light of such self interests. It seems perhaps we've adopted a moral argument that if we were to strive to obey God for the benefit of deriving heaven's reward, that the reward being, again, the motive for our obedience, that we then, by virtue of self-interest, would actually forfeit God's reward for having selfish motives of gaining his reward to begin with. seems to me that the word of God knows nothing of the sort. The argument simply goes like this. Duty, not delight, is the proper heart motive for one's obedience to God. But never forget this, this, this right here. Never forget Hebrews 11.6 and what it tells you, especially never forget this when seeking to understand what Jesus means by telling us that to do good, to obey God in the details of life warrants the reward of God. Because it's Hebrews 11.6 that plainly tells us that we cannot please God if we do not come to him for reward. We must be believing that he rewards those who diligently seek him. There, there's so much more this, this is another excursus at some point that we could, delve, we could just drop in in so many places here. There's so much more that could be said. But instead, let me just show you how the Apostle Paul lived this way. Wouldn't that be good? Let me show you how the Apostle Paul actually lived this way in Philippians chapter 3. He says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In verse 14, Paul is telling us that what he presses on toward, what the goal of his motivation is for why he does what he does, the prize that he has in mind for doing what he does is the reward. It's the upward call of God. And what is the upward call of God contextually here? The upward call of God contextually here in Christ Jesus 
is his one day being resurrected and being with his Lord forever and ever and ever. For Paul, that that reward is what he presses toward. That's his goal, and that's the prize. Same thing. And so he says, let us, Christians, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. What attitude? That we too are living for said reward. For that goal. What goal? For that prize. What prize? Our upward call of God in Christ Jesus to be with him. To be raptured and to be with him forever and ever and ever. Isn't that good? And we also know, thank you, Joel. I like that affirmation. And we also know, notice this. I, wanna, I think we can end on this one. Check, check this out. This, this, is such a, this is such a powerful thought from Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> it's, an, it's a thought that makes us think about and realize that when we're living for the reward, when we're living for that applause of heaven and not the applause of men, that there's a much broader audience that's viewing this and is checking this out than just, you know, me and my private little time with the Lord in my heart. Notice Ephesians 3. Paul says, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So that. Why? So that. Why is all that true? So that. Now, notice, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. Simple question, who's the church? It's you, right? Matt taught me this, uh, this past Thursday. You know, uh, this is the people. No, here's the, the little child's hand about this is the church. This is the, this is the church. This is the steeple, right? And then what do you do? You, you open the door and here's the people. He just taught us this this past Thursday in class. I'm already using it. I'm making application of it. He said, uh, I can't remember who you got this from, but Matt was saying, really the way to look at this, is this is, this is a facility. It might have a steeple, but when you open the door, there's the church. Isn't that, isn't that good? There's the church. So who are we this morning? We're gathered as what? A local church. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. Who's the church? Somehow your life, somehow your life is making known to rulers, and authorities in heavenly places, something with regard to the manifold wisdom of God that you are putting on full display. And what might that be, church? The, it would almost seem like the angelic realm, and I don't know how this works out, so I speak in very, I don't know how to even say some of these, but perhaps the, the angelic realm has preview to the church. Has a, has, a, has a view into the church life. Who's the church? You're the church. Does that mean my life individually? Perhaps so. And every time you choose the reward from heaven and the applause of heaven, the angelic realm might be the very one saying, 
Wow! Notice what the grace of God did in lives that were fallen in sin and were redeemed by grace. Notice how they are living. Making known to the entire angelic realm of creatures in heavenly places somehow that God's grace truly is amazing. That's worth letting settle in, is it not, church? Let, let that sink in. Let, let Give some consideration of that next time you're tempted to said normal sin. Oh, I just can't stop it. I just can't. You want the applause of man. You want self, you know, flesh's minuscule little delights. Or do you want all of heaven rejoicing at the amazing grace of God because what he did in your life and your ability to say no to sin and yes to God in that moment. And the applause of heaven saying, attaboy, stick at it. <laughs> the application is daily. It's moment by moment. It's real. It's palpable. And it keeps us living for the glory of God and our delight in him. Like nothing else will. That's what good theology will do for us. So one more verse, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do what? Do all for the glory of God. Do all for the applause of heaven. Seek after his reward with everything you have in your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When you love your neighbor as yourself, don't do it so that they can reciprocate your love to you. You just do it freely because God has changed your life by his amazing grace. And you make known to the manif- you make known the manifold wisdom of God to not only the angelic realm and places and heavenly places, but to your neighbor and to everybody else who's li- who might be watching your life, which as they say sometimes might be the only gospel they see lived out before them. Don't jump in with them. Don't just go running with them. Oh, it's just a li- it won't hurt. It won't matter. No, it does matter. How you live your life matters to the glory of God. Church, that's all I've got. Let's live for those rewards, amen? Seeking after those rewards isn't a bad motive. Be motivated, be be internally motivated by the Spirit of God that's wanting to put to death the deeds of your flesh. Be internally motivated. Say, Lord, I want the applause of heaven because when I get the applause of heaven, you get greater glory through my life. And that's what we live for. Amen. Now, let me tell you, if you're, if you've come this morning and you know not the Lord Jesus Christ, you've perhaps gained a larger understanding and picture of how we as Christians think and how we desire to live in light of the Word of God. And if you're sensing in your heart to any degree at all a longing and desiring to be connected with the God that we live for and we worship, just come see me after service. And I'd love to tell you all about how you can have a relationship with Christ. Let's pray.